could never have imagined this story. From small beginnings to multitudes gathering in worship, battles and victories, service and sacrifice, born out of courage and conviction. With complete assurance, we have grown from strength to strength, yet carry a holy discontent. For this story is far from over. A family still growing, a people called to reach cities and nations, to bring light to dark places. We have seen him do the impossible. We have known his transforming power. We have so much to celebrate, but the best is yet to come. For our story is written by the greatest author. Thank you so much. Welcome to all of our Kingsgate family to part two of our 2020 vision series for this year of 2018. I don't know whether you're aware, but all across the world today, the Holy Spirit is doing amazing things. And he's raising up strong, prevailing local churches in all different cultures across all different continents. I've had the privilege of visiting some of those great churches. And you often come away where there's just a sense of, wow, that church is so strong in those areas. But if I said to you that we could all go on a visit to a church that was kind of strong across the board. It was strong in a passion for the good news and multitudes of people being saved. Also strong in discipleship, uh, great sense of integrous, gifted leadership. Uh, it was a multicultural church. It was strong in worship, strong in prayer, open to the prophetic, financially generous, cared for the poor, had a heart for missions and planted other churches. How many like to come on such a visit? Well, I've got good news for us. First, the bad news. It's not in the Caribbean, so we can't go there. We're not going to go on a cruise. But the good news is we're not even going to have to leave our seats. All we're going to need to do, wait for it. <laughs> All we're going to need to do is open our Bibles <laughs> to Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 13, where we're going to look at something that I think is, in many ways, like a model church. It was not a perfect church because like Kingsgate is filled with people and wherever the people, even Christians, they're not yet perfect. But it was a church that was kind of strong across the board. It's an amazing, amazing church. And it's the church in a place called Antioch, the ancient city of Antioch. Now Antioch was one of the three great cities. It was actually the third largest city in the whole Roman Empire. It was known as Antioch the Beautiful. It was a very cosmopolitan place. It's estimated uh, that they had 500,000 people in this city. And it's to this city that the gospel comes and we see God do an amazing work. And as we visit this church through the scriptures, Acts 11 and 13, over the next few weeks, 
I don't want us to come just for information. Oh, that's nice. I want us together, and this is what I'm praying, that we will come and almost like ask the Holy Spirit, not just to come and be a tour guide, but to come and shine His light into our lives and almost have the Scriptures like a mirror, and we can look into, our, into the mirror of God's Word and say, this is what this church was like, and this is what we want to become in all the fullness of what God has for us. Notwithstanding differences of culture, first century uh, sort of uh, what is now modern Turkey, that's where it was, to 21st century in the UK. Notwithstanding there are cultural differences, how many want to say in your own life and in every Kingsgate Centre and all that God's got for us, we want the best of what he's got for us and we're ready to learn and allow the Lord to do a deeper work. Will you agree with me on that? Fantastic. And I believe this is just going to be a great kind of model church to look at over these next few weeks as we continue in this vision series, look at how we can see many more lives transform long term and particularly turn inside out and reach further out. Today, at the start of this series, I'm going to look at what is, in one sense, the first strength of the church that hits you when you read the text, and it's this. It's a passion for the good news. Can we say that together? A passion for the good news. Talking of good news, have you ever had something happen, an experience, either for yourself or someone else, and there's, this, there's something bubbles up where either you or that person just can't stop talking about it? You know, they're so excited about what's just happened. You know, you see this in newly engaged couples, don't you? I mean, everybody has to see the ring. Isn't that right? Or, you know, somebody has a new baby and, you know, whether you're interested in that baby or not, they're going to tell you the good news. Parents, and I want to tell you, I think grandparents are definitely the worst. They're some of the most besotted people on the planet. Why? Because they want to share good news. There's something, isn't there, in us that we want to tell good news. And we're not overly bothered what people think. We just want to get the message out. You know, I never get tired of telling you, Man City have won again. I mean, I don't care whether you're interested or not. It's just thoroughly good news to me. So it just spontaneously comes out. What we see in the book of Acts is the early Christians, they are so filled, not just with any news, but with the good news, the gospel, the best news that's ever hit planet Earth, that they just went all around the known world and they just couldn't stop talking about it. It's the gospel, the good news of what? Of Jesus Christ. And we see um, in the early part of Acts how Jesus instructs his followers, says, wait, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go and spread the message from Jerusalem up and throughout the, the known world. And they get a hold of this. Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and the gospel starts spreading virally within the city of Jerusalem. Thousands and thousands of Jews get converted. Uh, they're seeing like, almost like a raging revival in Jerusalem. But not everybody's happy. And so there's persecution. Uh, we see um, the 
the martyrdom of a guy called Stephen. He's the first Christian martyr, i.e. he was stoned dead for his faith and stand in Jesus Christ. As a result of that incident, the Christians, many of them were scattered. They had to flee persecution. They, they started spreading out the known world. And we pick up the story here in Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 21. This is our text for today. Let me read it to you. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. Can we say this together? And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. Just imagine the scene for a moment. Here you have a city about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Up until that point, it seems likely there were no followers of Jesus Christ before we read this story. Imagine that. 500,000 people, not a single follower of Jesus. After this incident, the gospel spreads virally People start sharing their faith, first with fellow Jews, telling fellow Jews, but then, so caught up were they in the passion of the gospel, they start telling non-Jews, Gentiles or Greeks, as it says in the text here. And then if we read on a couple of verses that we'll be covering um, next week, uh, this same sense of the spreading of the good news, it says in um, verse 24, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So we've had a great number at the start of the church, now they're still seeing the spread of the gospel. In other words, there's like a revival dynamic going on here. So much so that by um, verse 26, we, we read that the, um, the pagan population of Antioch are seeing so many of these new followers of Jesus just popping up all over the place. They have to find a new name to call them. And do you know what they call them? They give them the nickname for the first time in Scripture, Christians. How many know that, that nickname stuck? In other words, there's so many of them. Who are these people? They are Christ followers. They are Christians. Now, just pause for a moment. How many of you, when you think maybe about your workplace or your neighborhood or your town or your village or your city, how many of you like the gospel to go viral in some context where there's hardly anybody who knows Christ? How many of you like to see a move of God as we partner with the Holy Spirit to see it go from virtually no one to a great number? You believe for that? And that's one of the reasons we're taking the mirror of God's word and saying, Lord, if you did it then, what do we have to do to partner with you to do it again today? Well, I believe at the heart of this is we need to capture or recapture a passion for the good news, an earnest desire, an intense enthusiasm for the good news. It's not going to happen through methodology. It's going to happen through passion. Say passion. passion. Increased enthusiasm. Now, at the start of this message, if you were to assess yourself, and if imagine like a, a kind of a, a, a gauge, and on one hand you've got 10, which means red-hot passion. You feel fired up, bold, you're talking to people all the time about Jesus, right down to one. Let's just say not so good. For, for whatever reason. Um, or you may say, well, somewhere in between. Where, where would you kind of place yourself on one to ten? If ten is really hot and one is cold, 
Think about it for a minute. Don't get discouraged because the purpose of this message is to say that if we get a hold of what God wants to do in us and what he did in the church of Antioch and we respond, how do you believe that all of us could, even this year in 2018, go up at least a couple of notches? and increase our passion. And guess what would happen if all of us together grew in passion for the gospel, we might start seeing some of what was going on in Antioch breaking out in our region, in our cities, our towns, our villages, our networks and our neighborhoods. Amen? And so this is something that you know, I'm sure we're going to pray together and talk about in our life groups this week. So there's two things I want to share. Firstly, acknowledgement. This passion doesn't just come when we work it up. It comes from God himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of, although this is a message behind it, will you join me in a sort of a burden and a prayer? God, do something in a stronger way in my life and in every single one of our lives. So two things I want to focus on that as I've observed and prayed and looked at this passage. One is, I believe all of us, if we're going to increase our passion for the gospel, need a deeper conviction and greater courage. Can we say that together? Deeper conviction, greater courage. Firstly, a deeper conviction that everyone needs Jesus. First, what's evident about these early Christians is they had a deep conviction that God had done something decisive in history that forever and ever the world would be different. They had, of course, the early Christians, um, largely up until this point, were all Jews. And they were believing for, they'd had prophecies. They were believing for a Messiah who would come. And when he came, he wasn't quite like what they expected. But they became convinced when Jesus went around doing good and teaching and healing. And then when he died on the cross, and most spectacularly and significantly of all, when he didn't just stay dead, but after three days, he came back to life and he started walking around, demonstrating that he was fully alive and well. They became convinced that this Jesus Christ was not just the Messiah, but he was actually God in human form. And forever and ever, the world will be different because God had visited the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we see here, um, back to the passage we read, it says, um, they preach the good news of the Lord Jesus. It's not that they were passionate for passion's sake. You know, somebody who's had a new baby, somebody who's got engaged, they're not really thinking so much about, oh, how am I communicating this? They're, They're passionate about what they're excited about. These new Christians were excited. They were overwhelmed by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something the Lord's been doing in my heart last couple of months is just a fresh focus on passion, on the wonder and the beauty and the majesty and the awesome glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. When when we're captivated by him afresh, we want to go and tell others. So they were convinced about Jesus, but they were also convinced that therefore, it's not just it's okay for them, but not for us. Oh, I hope it makes you makes you happy kind of thing. They were convinced if Jesus was who, he, who they really believed he was and is, then everyone all around them needed Jesus. There was that deep conviction. Hence, some of these guys on the persecution, they start tra- traveling geographically. 
as, the, as they spread out, they go sharing the word. Now, can I just say as a qualifier, if you look back at the story, there's one guy who, who's, uh, who's named as a guy called Philip who was an evangelist. But all the rest of these were unnamed. In other words, they're ordinary believers with an extraordinary message filled with an extraordinary power and compassion, just going around conversationally spreading the good news because it's good news, isn't it? You want to share news if it's really good news. And so some of them end up on, at Antioch, this um, completely unevangelized city. They start sharing with those who culturally are the same of them, Jews, and then some of them take the bold step hey, let's go to the Greeks, let's go to these Gentiles as well, because we're convinced that he's not just a Messiah, he's not just a saviour for the Jewish people, he's a saviour for the whole world. Aren't you glad they did that? Praise God. And so it's no surprise that we get one of the leaders of the church in Antioch, who we'll read about next week, the Apostle Paul, in his book to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, says, I'm not ashamed of this good news about the Messiah, about Christ. It's the power of God at work. The good news is the power of God at work. Saving who? Everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. Now if we want to learn from them, we need to pray for a deeper conviction about Jesus and about the fact that everyone needs Jesus. Let me give you um, an example. Imagine, hypothetically, you were born with an incurable disease. You grow up, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. You've checked all around to try and get uh, medical help. It's, it's not happening, it's going downhill. And then suddenly, one day, this guy comes up to you, never met him before, and he says, I spent all my life developing this wonder cure for your disease, and if you take one of these pills you'll get immediately cured. How many at least try it? So, you take the pill and immediately you say, it's true, uh, suddenly uh, th- I'm feeling better, all the symptoms are all gone. So, you know, given you've had it all your life, you want to check it out, check it's not psychosomatic, so you go, you check with consultants, he refers you to others, and there's a group of consultants all around just looking at the thinking, saying, we, we, we can't, don't understand this, this is a miracle. It's an incurable disease, but you're cured. You're completely free of this disease. And it's not going to come back. How many of you would be kind of happy? How would you feel about the guy who gave you the wonder cure? You know, we often talk about this phrase, don't you? I'll be in your debt or eternally in your debt. Would you feel grateful? Of course you would. In fact, I think if you knew where he was, you'd go back to him and want to say thank you. She so go back, find, find this guy and say, thank you, uh, it's amazing, you've totally changed my life. This is my pleasure. Uh, but there's one thing I need you to do. And I've produced an unlimited supply of these same drugs. And I want you to go into your world, into people who you know, family, friends, work, colleagues, neighbors, and there's a number of people who've got the same disease as you. I want you to go and I want you to tell them what happened to you and offer them the same cure. Would you do it? I would. And then he says, but this is so important. Will you also not just speak and share with those you know 
There are lots of other people all around who you don't yet know. Will you, will you inconvenience yourself? And in fact, can you make it a life mission that wherever you go, if you find people like this, you'll offer them the cure too? Hypothetical example. But it speaks of a deeper reality. The deeper reality is this. There is a disease that is far worse than what I've just described. And it's not just something that affects a few people. It's something that affects everyone because we are all born with it. It's a disease that doesn't first and foremost affect you physically. It eats away at you on the inside spiritually. It can mess with your mind, your will and your emotion. And yes, it can have awful physical repercussions too. It messes up your relationships. It messes up every area of your life. And bottom line, it's messed up the world we live in. Do you know what that disease is called? It's a three-letter word. The Bible calls it, you're ahead of me, sin. As somebody said, it's a three-letter word with I in the middle. It's at the very heart of our rebellion against God, our creator, trying to put ourselves on the throne, running our own lives, and as a result, it's brought separation from God, who is the source of life and healing and salvation. Uh, the Russian uh, 20th century novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn put it this way. Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. In other words, sin is something we all have to deal with. That's the bad news. How many of you like some good news? The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that this same loving creator who created every single one of us wasn't prepared to leave us in our, in our sinful state, but instead he came personally in, in, in and through his son Jesus Christ. God became man. We celebrate that at Christmas. The word became flesh. He actually took on our humanity. He lived a perfect life. And on the cross, he, as a man, still the son of God, took upon himself the curse and the punishment for all the sins we've ever committed. And then he rose from the dead and he poured out his Holy Spirit that everyone who would receive him and the message of good news would receive not just forgiveness, although thank God for that, they would receive a new nature. They'd get born again. They'd have eternal life. Sin would be dealt with and smashed once and for all, and they would have a hope and a glorious future. Instead of being orphans, they would become sons and daughters of the living God. That's good news. And it's not just good news for a few. It's good news for every single one of us. And when we received that good news, I remember when I became a Christian, it was such good news, nobody had to tell me. Now go and tell everyone. It was like, in fact, people could see the difference. But I was like, look what God has done. And I'd tell people I knew. And then sometimes with maybe not a lot of sensitivity in those days, I'd tell everyone who I just met. But the point is, it was just natural, just like somebody wants to celebrate we've got a new baby we're engaged I've got a new job Man City won again you just well you just gotta tell people but this is the best news it was only shortly after I realized that that's what Jesus told us to do as Christians it's called the Great Commission 
It's a bit like that guy in the story I'm talking about. He says, ah, now you've received, will you go in my power and with my ability and actually go and give it away to everyone you meet, starting with those you know? That's the Great Commission, friends. It's not a side issue. It's central to this church at Antioch, and it's central to how God wants us to live individually and as a church. And when I say everyone needs Jesus, I'm sure you look around and say, yeah, but they don't always know they need Jesus. I know. But we know, and the Holy Spirit knows, and we need to trust that the Holy Spirit, as at, particularly as we pray for them, the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of other people as well as he's at li- uh, work in our lives too. Amen? So I just want to share you uh, a testimony of um, a couple, uh, Joe and Jenny, and just look at how um, God worked on, if you like, both sides. It's a great story. Watch this. Hi, my name's Joe, and I wouldn't have said I was a Christian or that I had a faith of my own. I believed in Jesus and the story of Christmas that he was born, but that was about as far as it went. On the surface, everything seemed great. I'd had a successful career. I was a mum of two gorgeous girls. I had a husband. And yeah, I was happy, but I've always struggled with anxieties and I guess I've always felt like something was missing. A while ago, we was having some building works done, which ended nearly in a disaster of our house nearly collapsing. And that, for me, was a real low point. It was about that time that my daughter expressed an interest in Christianity and reading the Bible. So I knew my friend, one of the other mums from school, was a Christian, and she came to Kingsgate. So I asked her advice on what best for my daughter to read. Me and Joe met on the school run as we both have children in the same class. Um, but I was really surprised when out of the blue she suddenly asked me for a Bible for her daughter to read. Uh, but of course I was more than happy to oblige and got her the best one that we could find. She kindly gave us a Bible for my daughter to read, which she did, but she did have a lot of questions. So Joe's daughter started to read the Bible and had a lot of questions, which Joe then started to ask me. And I thought the best place would be to invite Joe to Alpha. So I said, yep, sign me up. But my pure motivation was to come along with my daughter's questions to get those answered. It was whilst I was there that I actually began to realise I had a lot of questions of my own. Through Alpha, I began to notice quite a change in Jo from being quite anxious at the start with different stressful situations she was dealing with to uh, actually becoming a lot more peaceful as she went through the journey of getting to know Jesus. There was a change in me. I felt that I, I wanted to know Jesus and I wanted a faith. I chose to invite Jesus into my life and I wouldn't look back. I feel like that inner peace has stayed with me So I started to pray for the first time and for the first time having had many years of anxieties I was able to feel an inner peace, to feel peace like I've not had before and I know that I am loved and that he is with me. Since then I've got baptised and even my daughter has become a Christian so I feel very thankful and grateful to my friend for for inviting me to Alpha and taking the time to come along with me. 
So it's been amazing to see Jo's journey as she's got to know Jesus and she's changed so much. Um, and I really feel privileged that I got to be part of that, to invite her to Alpha and see Jesus work in that way. It's been amazing. I know I've changed and my daughter's changed too. My life has been really transformed. Isn't that great? Receiving peace from Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And notice there that Joe wasn't aware of her need of Jesus. Jesus was working by his Holy Spirit, and it took a friend who was ready to respond to her need and guide her into um, the, a journey with Jesus. Isn't it great when people who we don't know kind of take the initiative like that? But as we know, if we're going to actually spread the good news across to almost everyone in our world, sometimes we can't wait for people, sometimes we have to go to them. And for that, it takes not just a deeper conviction that everyone needs Jesus, it takes a greater courage, say courage, a greater courage to share the message of Jesus. See, it's not always easy to share the message of Jesus. Can I say it wasn't easy for those first Christians? We need to understand a bit of the culture of where they were at the time. In the Jewish world of Jerusalem, they start getting persecuted by the Jews. In the rest of the Roman world, you have emperor worship, you have all kinds of gods and cults. Let's just say Christianity was not the prevailing worldview. They were like a persecuted minority, um, and yet they boldly went and spread the, the good news. Those of you who know your history, it spread so far that it literally impacted the whole of the Roman Empire. Amen? But they had to press through. They needed courage. Many Christians actually physically were killed for their faith. We don't face that today yet in the UK. Let's pray we don't. But we do face the reality that um, the culture we live in is certainly in, in kind of the public space. Christianity is less mainstream than it was 50 or 100 years ago. Is that right? And while, thank God, we still have huge openness to the gospel, many, many people around us are ripe and ready, we also know that we have to overcome some challenges when it comes to sharing our faith. One of the major challenges I think many people face is the whole thing of fear. I was reading a book recently on um, why people don't invite people to church and share their faith. <laughs> Pretty much top of the list was fear. But I, I want to just think about that. Let's acknowledge that, that, that it's there and it can affect us. But if it's really true that Jesus Christ is the answer to the deepest need of every single person, and we really have the love of God in our hearts, can I suggest that we need the love of God to overcome and dispel our fear? What does the Bible say? Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, if I really love somebody, I'm going to be prepared to share, obviously in a sensitive way, um, something that may cost me, or, uh, but it's going to be good for them. Perfect love casts out fear. And what do we need? Well, as per our series at the start of the year, we need greater courage. How many are helped by that two-part series at the beginning of the year? Courage. Now, what I want to say is that courage 
is one of the main weapons against fear. Fear of people saying no, fear of rejection, whatever. Courage. So the question is, where does courage come from? It doesn't come from gritting your teeth. I'm going to be courageous today. It doesn't come from, you know, some people are, you know, there's a few people, there's evangelistic types, who just, there's people who are naturally just bold. But I believe that the gospel can be shared by all Christians of all personality types because if it's really good news, God is going to use our personality and our relationships in a way that's naturally supernatural and he's going to give us courage. Where does the courage come from? It comes from God himself. It comes from the fact that we're not just, as it were, sharing about a dead saviour. We have the living Lord present with us now and his Holy Spirit in our lives and upon our lives if we're Christians. We see this right in the heart of the passage we read. They all go out, they do their part, an urgency, a passion. They're sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus. But notice they're not going alone. Because when we do the work, it's partnership. So in verse 21, I love this, it says... The Lord's hand was with them. They went and shared the message, but the Lord worked with them. What a dynamic partnership. That phrase, the Lord's hand, is an Old Testament phrase that really talks about God's mighty power. How many know that God is greater than any situation you're ever going to face? He's greater than any fear, real or imagined. Our God is greater. And so the source of our courage comes from the Lord himself goes right back to what we know as the Great Commission. Matthew's version of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Jesus says, go and make disciples. That's the message we're looking at. And then he says, there's a promise. As you go, what's going to happen? Lo, I am with you always. As you go back to work in the hospital on Monday morning, you go into your school, you go into your neighborhood, you go back home, wherever you're working, wherever you're involved in doing life, into the gym, social space, guess what? If you are a, a Christian, Jesus Christ, the living Christ who you're, you're seeking to serve and proclaim, he's not just there in history, he's right there with you by the power of the Holy Spirit and he wants to strengthen you and help you with his mighty hand. Amen? Lo, I am with yours. And of course, when the Lord's mighty power is with us, and I'm praying for more of God's anointing on my life and our lives, not only will he work in us, giving us the words, giving us the courage, giving us the confidence, backing up his word with miracles, but also he's not just there to work to help us, he's there to help the people we're trying to reach actually see their need of him and come to him. Because the rest of the verse says this, the Lord's hand was with them, and can we say this again? And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And so while there's an urgency, let's not take a wrong responsibility. Our job is to share, if you get back to my story, to say, good news, look what he's done in me. I took this and it, it, it healed me. But it's their job to receive it and it's the Holy Spirit alone, the hand of the Lord, the power of God alone that can turn people around so that they might be saved. Amen? It's us and the Lord working together. Many of you, I'm sure, will remember Paul's story from Christmas. 
that, that we played out. Um, what we haven't shared with you is, if you like, the other side of the story, how some faithful friends shared Jesus with him and persistently invited him along. Please watch this. I've known Paul for about 15 years through business and he's always been a straight up guy but quite tough, not a guy that you would mess with. Hi I'm Paul, um, I was uh, brought up in East London, uh, quite a difficult place uh, but nevertheless I had a lot of love and family around me. It wasn't really church people, we went to church for, for weddings, funerals, christenings and so on like most people I guess. I came to Peterborough, I started a business in Peterborough where um, you know, I employ a few people now, and sadly, I was—I uh, made a few mistakes, and uh, I was a little misguided, and um, lost my way a bit. About three years ago, he came into my office. Um, he'd made some bad decisions in life that had taken him to a very low place, and he was at his wit's end with the situation that he'd got into. And I felt the only thing I could do was share God's love with him and how Jesus had saved me and what God had done in my life. I really felt like I needed to find something different to uh, help me and take me away from uh, where I was and pain I was causing myself and my family. We invited um, him along to Christmas services and he came along with his family which was lovely and um, then after that in January the Alpha course was on and um, I said to Paul I think this is something that uh, maybe you would like to do. So he signed up along with his wife Julie and uh, went along to do the Alpha course. I was fortunate enough to have some friends who invited me to Kingsgate um, so I came along. Um, still wasn't sure, I uh, got invited a few more times. Um, uh, I was encouraged to do Alpha because I had lots of questions uh, and uh, went on the Alpha course to investigate and um, find out more about Jesus and um, where he could be in my life. A few months later, Paul actually in one of the services gave his life to Jesus, which was an incredible um, day. I kept coming regularly to Kingsgate and um, listening to the sermons and one particular Sunday um, I really felt the need to open my heart to Jesus and uh, that was the day that he stepped into my life. This Christmas came along, he um, brought a lot of friends and a lot of families um, so it's, it's, just, just been, it's just been brilliant. And the transformation in Paul's life from this tough guy um, to a guy that has now found Jesus for himself and been transformed by God's love and filled with peace and joy. Uh, Paul now is always smiling, always happy, always dancing and bouncing around and it's, it's so exciting to see someone so changed. I opened my heart that day and my whole life has changed. My whole life is completely different. I look at life from a different perspective now. I've felt the freedom and love um, and uh, being able to forgive and I have hope. Knowing that Jesus is with me every day is uh, such a beautiful feeling. Isn't that wonderful? It took courage for Graham and Maxine to share the story and invite and keep lovingly inviting. But look at 
the glorious transformation in somebody's life. Isn't it worth it when we step out and see what God can do? They played their part. God did his work and a life has been changed for eternity. And I know he's going out and sharing the good news to his world too. Something of the gospel going viral in Jesus' name. That's what we want to see, isn't it? I want to finish with a personal story. It's when I was 16, I was on a family holiday and we were camping in the Black Forest in Germany. And we were out at the, the swimming area. It wasn't like an artificial pool. It was more like a mini lake. And I was in the pool, um, in the sun, playing around. And my two much younger brothers were also playing. What they didn't know and we didn't know uh, fully at the time was that this um, swimming area, you had the shallows, and then suddenly there was a ledge. You went over it, it's like a deep drop. They were playing around, then suddenly they started drifting out, they went out of their depth, and they were in deep trouble. What's scary is that I didn't hear them or see them. There were people who were very near to them who sort of either weren't aware or didn't do anything. They are in serious trouble, and no one seems to be seeing or acting, apart from one, my mum. She's there on the side, like a good mum, watching her boys. She sees them in trouble, not thinking about whether it looks dignified or what others will think. She just jumps in fully clothed. She's quite a strong swimmer, swam into the middle, rescued them and brought them back. And very often as a family, we've looked back and we think, thank God for mum. What would have happened? If she hadn't been watching, she hadn't been caring, and she hadn't acted at the right time. And as I think about that, and as we think about this message and the amazing call we have as believers, and what God has done in us, and I want you to think of your networks, your neighborhood, your workplace, your, your family, and almost like, just like mum was watching over. I want you to think about your responsibility as a kingdom ambassador. Not always to jump in day one. Not insensitively um, push things at people. But you're watching, you're waiting, you're caring. As a good friend of mine in ministry said, it's like believers on the front line are like secret pastors. They're praying. They're looking for opportunities to just live the life, to... Um, do good to minister to people when they have needs and then when the time is right and the Holy Spirit opens doors and, and, and the, there's that kind of God connection they're ready to act because they're saying these are people on my watch I don't want anyone to be lost on my watch and that's the burden of this message and that's the burden and the heart for every single one of us in Kingsgate. Imagine if all of us lived like that. We live with a deeper conviction that everyone we're ever going to meet, whether we know them or not, need Jesus. And we go with a greater courage than we've ever done before to share the good news of Jesus. How many think it's possible that the gospel could go viral like it did in the church at Antioch. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your love for us, your passion for us that took you from heaven to earth, to the cross, 
that we might be saved and rescued. Right now I pray for every single one of us, wherever we're watching, that you would increase our passion for the gospel and that many more lives might be changed as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.